God bless you. Good morning. It's September 15th. It's a Friday. Praise God for a Friday if you get the weekend off. And Father, we just love you and thank you. Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you into this time of discussion and just speaking what the Spirit is saying. And yesterday I was going through and I finally got the carpets replaced in the house that I grew up in. And, um, you know, changing out the carpet, the, if you have dreams about any of that kind of thing, or you're going through that process in the natural flooring, it has to do with your foundation, your walk. Um, we just want to always see things in the spirit as well and not just, um, rest in the natural tendency of the flesh. And what God was sharing with me, Holy Spirit was yesterday about spiritual blindness and how much I just can't hold it in anymore. How blind American believers, you know, professed believers of Jesus Christ are. We've had it so good, you know, being raised here, even in the most worst places. If you want to compare, you know, the lowest poverty streaks to other countries, we are far rich, even our poorest, poorest. And the Lord was just sharing to me about just the spiritual blindness. And it really pains my heart to see it. In First Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What that means is, when you're always thinking in the natural, you won't see the spiritual things because the spiritual realm is real. It's more real than what we see in the natural. It affects the things in the natural. And if we're only looking at it with the lust of the flesh, the eyes, without having to do the hard work of the spirit, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is This is an area that I'm struggling with right now. I'm struggling with just getting into fasting again. Uh, My flesh is just really, you know, the fruit of the spirit of self-control has been really, it's been really attacked during this transition, this move, because, you know, it's a weakness. It's a weakness to have to walk in faith sometimes because you have to fully rely on the Lord. In John 9, verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who may see, who see may become blind. So we got to have full faith in the Lord. Matthew 15, 14 says, Let them alone, they are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. So it is so good. The Lord has woken, he has woken people up, awaken. Maybe that's a better description. And, but there's some in the church, you know, the believers that are still blind, spiritually blind to the truth of the matter, what's going on and what's going to be happening in this country. And first and foremost, I want to say this is not me giving up on America, but America gave up on the Lord. The America that we once thought we knew, we never knew. I think pride had gotten in the way. And everything was all about American pride. I mean, there's even that song, I'm proud to be an American. 
And we've indoctrinated ourselves with pledging to a flag and just really, um, really getting self-absorbed in it into our own culture and way of doing things and excluding God. Um, God's word, if you are a believer, you have to under, and you love America and say you've got military family members and things like that. And this might rub you the wrong way. And you love this country and your family members died and blood for this country. But nowhere does the word talk about pledging to a country or having more pride in a country than you would in faithfulness with Christ Jesus and dying to self. How can you die to self and pick up your cross every day but carry this this huge amount, this propensity of pride as you walk in your steps? So as I was just yesterday, you know, sitting there backed up into the corner of my kitchen because every the foundation everywhere was getting changed. The the father was just downloading things through the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said. So this world is changing. So first of all, I want to say that this I'm not a prophet. This wasn't like a prophetic download. This is just me writing and the Holy Spirit just flowing with me, okay? This is just what I discern in the Holy Spirit right now. This is the world is changing. The life we think we are going to be living here is going to end soon. Being awake is knowing that it is coming to an end. But it is God who gets the glory, okay? All of this American way, your 401k, your American college, your American dream, your American mule in an acre, your American vacation, it's all coming to an end because God has gotten out of it and the devil has put Americans by and far in the church asleep. He's lulled them to sleep with comfortability, with tradition, with one-hour sermons, one-hour gatherings that are convenient so we can get out and watch the game or go to our shopping and get all the things done we need to do on a Sunday afternoon. Okay? But God is going to get the glory. If you are awake, you know this has got to end because of the wickedness. Those that want to talk about the next generations of people and the things of this world, like children and college and watching them grow up, they have no sense at all of the wickedness and the vile things that have to be dealt with. We serve a righteous father who is in the heavens, in the third heaven, I should say. He is in a big court and the devil, the accuser comes to accuse you every day by any unconfessed sin, by any unforgiveness, any backbiting, any bitterness, any area of your life you don't want to deal with. You don't want to surrender. You don't want to give up pride. He comes to accuse you. Jesus Christ is there interceding. If you let his blood cover you, 
the enemy cannot have you, but his blood can only cover you if you confess and you surrender and you submit and you repent. We cannot have American pride and have Jesus. They do not go together. Churches have American flags in them. They have all this stuff going on. It's all about them. But because God is a just God, a righteous God, he cannot allow wickedness and evil and a backsliding church. He cannot let them go willy-nilly. I don't want to say punished, but he just cannot sit back. His grace and his mercy give us give us time. But time is running out. <clears throat> and anyone thinks any church any false prophet or sheep in wolf's clothing who is preaching a gospel that says the Lord is going to turn it all around for America, that he's going to raise up all these political people to help you to get it back to quote normal. Anyone who is preaching that gospel is a liar, is a liar. And they're, they're, they're operating in deceit and pride and they are lying to you. Anyone who is preaching that gospel. And it's not because I don't want things. I would love to have things be restored and go back to what seemed to be less, less evil. Okay. But it's not. Biblically speaking, it is not. We cannot go against prophecy. Okay. So praise be to God as he always gets the glory in all of this. All of this. It's not just a blanket of punishment for a wicked nation. But it's ushering into the kingdom. It's ushering God's... The way the Lord is going to deal with America, it will usher people into the kingdom. It is the end time harvest. And it will come out of tribulation. It will not come out of just keeping things status quo, going back to quote normal. The church has always been birthed out of persecution. Trials, it will be trials. It will be tribulation, the fire of purification. It has to change. The way things are now will not, for America, usher in any end time harvest because we are too comfortable. We are too comfortable. Let me say that again. We are comfortable in our dead end jobs. We are comfortable in our sin. And I'm talking to the church and I'm talking to the people even that are spiritually seeking, but they're, they're looking at you as a witness for the kingdom and you're doing a poor job because why you're comfortable. We are comfortable in our idolatry of modern altars, of shopping malls, sports stadiums, and ungodly institution. How many of you show up to church service wearing your your football gear for the afternoon during the fall seasons? And you're more excited and thinking about those plays and those that food you're going to eat than you are of the Lord. Okay? 
He knows your heart and I'm not judging. I'm just calling it true. We are comfortable in thinking that a political party is going to remedy the wrong. Perhaps this is why we've gotten so far because we've put our faith and hope in a political system more than we have the Lord. More than we have in our job as intercessors, as the American church. We are comfortable in our American pride. We are comfortable in all of our amendments and our forefather language. And all the while forgetting to put the father, the capital F-A-T-H-E-R, ahead and in it all. We are so comfortable with our contemporary religions of denominationalism, global warming, and technocracy. Much like Revelation 2, Jesus, the church in Revelation 2, Jesus is saying, you forgot your first love. Many who claim Christ are the most loveless, never willing to serve, never willing to give to a friend in the quote, middle of the night quote, because the family is all tucked into bed, never willing to open a door or give a hug, a touch. Remember six feet, do the loving thing, get your inoculations, wear your masks. Remember six feet, don't gather because that's the quote, loving thing. Oh yeah, only willing, okay? You forgot your first love, Jesus said. You're only willing to part with one hour a week for the eternal family that you are going to spend. If you really thought about it, your eternal family, not all of your relatives are going to make it because they are not willing to confess, repent, and surrender to Jesus. All the while neglecting the greatest assignment, as I mentioned, of intercession not learning from the cross where Jesus who conquered death and intercedes continuously as I mentioned from the accuser of the brethren which is that dirty devil that asp that snake I walk around a small town right now maybe 200 people or so no stoplight yet but Guess what? There's three churches in this small town. Where is the love? Are we back to the religion of denominationalism? Where is the love? Where where is it? It's not even palpable. Three churches in a town of 200. I don't feel the love. Not even palpable in homes as I drive by them, or even in the atmosphere. I can tell you nature testifies a greater love. The ability to bow down to the creator. This is nature, the father, the Lord, and allow the change, pruning, cold and warm winds to work. Nature testifies of obedience and submission The tree doesn't say to its creator, no, I don't want to change my leaps. I don't want to fall off right now. Let me do that another season, but not right now. I'm too comfortable in the sun. No, the tree listens to the creator and does its job. It glorifies him by going through those changes. 
But not man. Man has puffed himself up into buildings and chairs, rows and organs, a band, worship leaders, all to equate to a Jesus love less community. I mean, really. We are called to be like Jesus in his love, service, selflessness, and much more. Jesus, who is willing to leave heaven with the Father, this same Jesus who washed the feet of his disciples nearing the time of his crucifixion, this same Jesus who casts out demons, heals the sick, delivers the oppressed, frees the slaves, this same Jesus who sat with the children equally as much as the elders. Come on. How many of you attend a church where all the children get separated and you send your kids off to who knows who, teaching them what? Everything gets separated. We're taught division from the get-go in the American business model of church. But do you remember the passages that Jesus said, don't push these little ones away. Leave them here with me. Where is Jesus here in this little town? But surely this little town is not the only place who forgot their first love. We move on to big ministries. Those ministries that hold conferences and seminars. This similar vernacular as a Walmart board meeting. Conferences for Christ, they say. Really? Christ did have a multitude that would gather, yet many walked away. They showed up for the entertainment, but at the end of the day, dying to self, dying to flesh, remember what Jesus said to inherit the kingdom of God? What did he tell the rich man? He said, go and sell everything. Then you can inherit it. But dying to flesh is just too much for some people. Then we have conferences for deliverance. This was one that I just recently seen. This is not modeled at all in the New Testament. Oh, but one may say the times are changed. The Lord approves the new methods of doing the ministry of Jesus. Large tent meetings and overwhelming healings. But we must be careful to not discern that the devil decided to show up and work through the pastor for a big pat on the back for the entertainment of signs, miracles, and wonders. We know that in the last days, this power of the old devil will mimic in great intensity to that of Christ. And remember, his word even says that these signs will deceive many, even the elect. Our walk with Christ is intimate. Our encounters are intimate. The redeeming blood is intimate. Your prayer closet is intimate. The devil pries on the deception of the flesh, thinking that conferences are calls to Jesus. What about the prayer closet? What about the work of the cross? What about repentance? What about walking out salvation? What about sharing our new birth? 
What about boasting about our new birth into the kingdom of God more than an earthly birthday? What about unity in the body of Christ? What about the temple of God as the Holy Spirit in us and not in a building? What about boldness for Christ? What about loving Christ more than our own life? What about laying down our life? What about overcoming the evil by the blood of Christ and the testimony of Jesus? What about walking out our deliverance? What about forgiving? What about purification and the refining of fire? What about the words of Jesus who said, woe that one should take an offense as many will come that way. What about Jesus who said he come to divide mother against daughter and father against son? What about the new birth, regeneration? What about faith to move mountains? What about getting lost in his love? What about falling on your face in front of the Lord? What about Christ? What about the long suffering of the Father? What about that? What about it? Do we not understand the Father who long suffers, not only waiting on the fullness of the redemption of his Son, who was pierced on a cross, allowing him to become a curse being hung on a cross. What about his sadness? What about all the torturous things he sees in his omnipresence? Do we ever think of that? All the things, all the evil, hidden things, the murders, the rapes, the child trafficking, the animal abuses, the lying, the cheating, and the stealing. He is omnipresent and watches all of this at the same time. He's in and through it all. What about all that? What about his heart and his long suffering? What, what about it? Knowing this day in and out all because he is waiting on you to finally decide that you can't do it anymore on your own, that you need to come to the end of yourself waiting on your pride, your bitterness, and your unforgiveness. Oh, how you have been wrong. Your dad passed in his early 50s, so then you decide to hate the one your father first belonged. You want to hate a father, the Lord, because your child's death, but forgetting your child is not your own and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Does the Father's heart not hurt you too? Are we not made in his image? Does he not feel? Jesus wept. It was written, he wept. We think not the Father weeps bitterly, all just to keep waiting for your loved one to finally surrender. I mean, really surrender? Not a Sunday confession, but Monday forgetfulness. Does his heart not hurt because of our rebellion? Those with children have all hurt when the child goes rogue and rebellious. Most have felt that pain, that or operates in some sort of witchcraft and you find yourself riddled with anxiety. So does the father hurt, but his mercy and his grace woke you today and even waits on the return of Christ.
The church cries for the return of Christ and oh how we shout, Maranatha, come Jesus, but come Jesus. But do we really know the pain that will cause the Father when Jesus does come? Do you think for one second the Father enjoys the wrath in Revelation? No. His heart desires that not one should perish. Yet we sit here as rapture watchers waiting for this big escape. For what? Why do you want to get raptured now? Is it because Aunt Susie is looking down from heaven? Despite that poor theology, we know this is not to be true. Your family members that have gone on before you, they're not stars in the sky. They didn't turn into angels. Our God is a powerful, wonderful God. They went back to their creator to do other work. Or is it because we want to just meet Steve or David, our long lost husband, or the child the Lord took back and took home? Remember, they were never yours. Is that why we want the rapture? Because it's just so evil we can't stand it anymore? So we get to just simply kick back and put our feet up because we ran this race so hard? Because we endured so long that we're tired out? Because we prayed so hard, our tongues are perched and our knees have scars? Is that why we are so excited for the rapture? Is that not somewhat self-seeking? It's all to glorify him. The rapture, our joining of Christ is that. We have our head and leader. We have our savior and we get to fall to the floor and worship him in adoration, singing holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. That is why we are waiting on the rapture. But one might say, well, the Lord cares about these things too. So he will be joyed to watch our reunions. Really? He is the reunion. Remember Jesus said, you forgot your first love. Wow. So why rush the rapture words? Really, it will be much long-suffering and torment for your worst enemies. If any of you understood that the love of the Father, or if you've received it, the love of the Father in your spirit, you would not wish the days of wrath. So let me close with this. Let us intercede for this time and time to come not forgetting to worship and to glorify him while it is still day American church needs to really rethink what it's doing right now what is it doing things is things as the huge yep things is the huge what is it doing You know, God's word always talks about a remnant people. The American church is no exclusion. There's a remnant people and they're there. Many of them are hurting. Their hearts have been hurting. They've been just forced into some box, some building, thinking that that's the only place that glorifies God. Are you kidding me? Did we forget we're not? temples of the living holy and living spirit i just pray that the lord 
forgives us, and I'm thankful for his mercy. God bless you all. Have a blessed day. Get connected with people and start with intercession. Remember this time. He doesn't need our Sunday sermons. He needs our worship in spirit and in truth. And not because he's some boastful, arrogant God, because he's good and he's worthy of it all.